Dear God, we just thank you for the message of Christmas, Lord, for your son coming incarnate, Lord, as flesh. Lord, that we may, God, be redeemed and God, become more like you. So, Lord, as we continue to look at this, this story, this redemptive story, Lord, that you will continue to speak into our hearts. And we give you thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Standing while I talk tonight. I'm just teasing. You can be <laughs> burn off some of those Christmas calories that we've already. How many of you got some Christmas calories already? This is in the Bible somewhere, but whatever you eat the next two days, do not count. They don't, they, they don't count. They just don't wait for a month and they do not count, right? Well, good evening. It is so great to see you all tonight. And would you give our team a hand for a wonderful job? I work with them all the time trying to get them to improve their voices and be strong, you know. Yeah, you believe that, don't you? Well, we have a, 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 a tradition here. We always start a Christmas sermon off with a, something funny, but tonight it's going to be this a little more serious. It's, it's my first Christmas with my wife many years ago. Wanted to show you a picture of it. I think you'll like it. This was back in the day in Texas when we would put on our tie and, and on. Your wife would put on her dress on Christmas morning back when I smoked a pipe. And if you're listening, this is a tobacco pipe, not a get-high pipe, okay? We're talking about it here. And, and I got her a vacuum. Wasn't that godly and sweet of me? <laughs> Who puts on a tie for Christmas morning at home? Amen. I mean, I'm getting up in the pajamas with a hat on and getting after it, aren't y'all, in the morning? Anyway, I just thought this was cute. Some of you men are not real smart. I want to help you out, brothers. If you got her a vacuum, a broom, a duster, any cleaning supplies, do not ever do that tomorrow morning, right? Get rid of it. Call a friend. Get something else. We thought you'd enjoy that. Hopefully you did. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 this evening. This is a... A big part of the Christmas story we know is kind of as the wise men, but I want to kind of walk you through it. And I want, to, I want to get to the main point of what Jesus wants from you and me this Christmas. In verse 1 it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. I want to explain a little bit of this to you. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, I want to show you on a map where this is. Now, in Jesus' day, Israel was divided in three areas. There was Galilee in the north, and there was a Bethlehem in Galilee. Jesus grew up in Galilee and Nazareth. Then there was Samaria in the middle, and then Judea, where Jerusalem was, was down in the south. This is the Bethlehem of Judea. Jerusalem's here. Bethlehem's right here. They're about five miles apart. Bethlehem's about five to six miles southwest of Jerusalem. Very important city. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem is what they had always been told and what is absolutely true. It says uh, that, that King Herod was the king. Herod was the king of this area for about 40 years. And he was called Herod the Great and Herod the Evil. He was called Herod the Great because he built a lot of structures. He helped the Jewish people rebuild the temple. He was called Herod the Evil because he was evil. He's married nine times. He killed at least one of his wives. He killed three of his sons when they came to age and were a threat to his throne. And he killed one of his mother-in-laws. And guys, that is illegal in most states. So 
Uh, that's not a good thing. And it says magi, these are the wise men. These are the wise men. And we don't know exactly where they came from. It says from the east, which literally means from the, the land of the rising sun. It may have been the Orientals. It, it may have been Persia or it may have been Iran, Arabia. We, we don't know for sure. And in verse 2 it says this, he, they ask, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now Herod was called the king of the Jews because his, his rulership, his kingdom, was largely Jewish people. So, boy, this was a, a big smack in his face. We saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now, the star, this always gets people. Why are they talking about the star? The wise men were astronomers. They were scientists. They, some people say they may have been priests. You've, you've probably, how many of you are familiar with the songs, We Three Kings of Orient Are? Okay, we have no idea if these guys were kings or not. The only reason we say three is because of the gifts, right? That we're going to see in a moment. And we have no idea where Orient R is, right? So, great, beautiful song. But, but anyway, they saw the star. Now, some scientists say or scholars say maybe this was a nova. Nova is a, is a star that will suddenly increase in brightness, for a few years and then it, it'll dim and sometimes it'll brighten back up again and then, then, it'll, then it'll just go back to normal. Maybe may have been that. We don't know for sure. But look at verse 3 through 6 with me on the screens. When King Herod heard about this, he was disturbed. Listen, Jesus, because of the demand he wants from you and me, which is, boy, it's our absolute best, but it disturbs us because it challenges us. It threatens the rule of you and me of our own lives. All of Jerusalem was disturbed. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. They knew right away. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet said. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will become a, come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, this is some interesting things in here. It's easy to slip by. The people only had one chief priest. It says they called the chief priest. Well, it's kind of like when you hear someone say President Biden, President Obama, President Trump, President Bush, President Carter. We continue to call former presidents presidents. It's kind of an honorific title that you would give them. And so this was one chief priest. They called in the other chief priest and probably the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Supreme Court of 70 leaders. They knew right where the Messiah was to be born. It had been prophesied, listen, it's prophesied 750 years earlier. You can look it up later in the book of Micah 5, 2. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And in verse 7 through 10, Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had pe appeared. He said, to the, he said, they sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and search carefully for this baby, this child. As soon as you find him, tell me I want to go worship him too. What a liar. And after they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it arose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place. And I love verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, this is a little tidbit, a side note. When you're following God and you're seeking God, there's times when it's, it seems like God's silent. Amen? And he was, the star was there. There was a time that they didn't know what to do. But you know what? You keep seeking God, God's going to always show up and tell you and show you what to do. That's exactly what happened. Now, here we get to the heart of this morning. What does God want from you? The gift God wants from you this Christmas is you. It's you. This ought to honestly thrill your soul and your heart. Well, all they want to say at the church is they want my money, right? 
No, I'm going to tell you what God in, in this church wants for you. is for you and me to give everything we are to Jesus. That's what he wants. The gift God wants from you, wrapped up under the tree, is you. I want to tell you, uh, some of you will enjoy this. I'm sure some of my staff will. The most, one of the most humiliating times of my life. Now, I've had many, but this, was, uh, this ranks up there in the top ten. I was a junior in high school. And I was friends with some guys and girls. We all hung out together. And one of the girls was crazy about one of my best friends. And she had told her friends she wanted him wrapped up under the tree for Christmas. Well, he started dating another girl. That other girl wasn't going to allow that. So guess what? Her friends came to me and says, can we wrap you up and put a little label on you to her from whatever? And I was such an idiot I said, yes. And I realized about one minute into this fiasco, what an idiot I was. So they wrapped me up with Christmas paper. They put a bow on me and a two from, and they had me stand by the Christmas tree. And she was getting ready. And and guys, most of you know this. When a woman says, I'll be ready in five minutes, that means 25 minutes. Doesn't it? You're sitting by your wife and you're afraid to answer. I understand. And so I stand out there about 15 minutes, and there's a grouchy old man sitting in the den. He was friends with the family, and he's looking at me like, you are an idiot. And I'm thinking, I am an idiot. And if you say I'm an idiot, I'm going to beat up an old man on Christmas Eve. I I probably did think that at that time. But it was so humiliating. But, you you know, it it plays well. We know what God wants from you this Christmas. God, God wants you. God never asks you for something you can't give. I don't know how many of you could write a check for a million dollars tonight to Louisiana Tech, to Grambling, to Cedar Creek, to Ruston, and to First Ruston, but we'd let you if you could. I can write the check. It'll just bounce all the way uh, to, to uh, New Orleans. I can't give that, but I can give myself. In verse 11, listen to what the wise men do. On coming to the house, they see the child with his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, with frankincense, and myrrh. Now, a couple of things. Leave this on the screen if you would, guys. You notice it says that entering the house, not the stable. This was not the night Jesus was born. And it says they saw the child. Just, just leave the verse here, guys, for just a minute. We've got to show you a picture in a minute. If you have a, how many of you have a manger scene? Manger scene? We called our friends at Temple this week. We really did this. And we said, your manger scene is biblically incorrect. They thought we were being funny. But the wise men are always at the manger scene, you know, by the shepherds and the cows and all that. Cattles are lowing and whatever that means. And, and, but the, the wise men actually show up. Jesus is about six months to a year to a year and a half old. The wise men at your house tonight, you need to take them and put them down the street because they're a long way from getting there. Now, don't burn your Bibles and your manger scenes because that's not in the Bible. That's just, you've got to have them there. It would look weird if they were at the end of your driveway this, tonight. So leave them there, but that's just a little, little biblical uh, knowledge for you. 
the manger scene with the gifts. It, it talks about these guys giving gifts. Some of you don't know this. Again, this is kind of preacher inside pool, preacher inside knowledge. There was actually four wise men who brought gifts. Did y'all know that? Well, I want to show you a picture of, of one of the, what happened. Unbeknownst to most theologians, there was a fourth wise man who turned, was turned away for bringing a fruitcake. <laughs> Somebody say amen. You may like fruitcake. I'll eat a fruitcake if you bring it to me because I love you and I'm a Christian. But I'd rather have chocolate. Just keep that in mind for future reference. These gifts, it says that you put the verse back up if you would, guys. I love the picture, but it distracts me looking at it. Uh, the gifts of gold. Seneca was a philosopher who said you never approach a king without gold. And a, and a gift that you give a king is gold. These, these gifts had financial significance because Jesus' family is getting ready to have to make a quick move to Egypt, and this money's going to help them. There's also symbolicness to these gifts. Jesus Christ is the king of kings, and it's neat that they gave him, they gave him gold. And then it says they frankincense. That used to scare me when I was a kid because I associated that with what? Frankenstein. But frankincense is just an incense, but it was a particular incense that was used by priests in the temple a lot of times when they were making sacrifices. And the Bible says Jesus is our high priest. And then it says they gave him myrrh. If you were to look in John 19 tonight when Jesus died, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea came and got his body. And one of the things they brought was myrrh to anoint his body for death. Jesus was going to die for us. And there's great truth symbolism in this for what these things mean. But I want to go back to verse 11 where it says this. It says, entering the house, they saw the child with his mothers and falling to their knees. Now, falling there, guys, is not some like neat you know, like when you're, you're an older person and you got bad knees, you don't fall to your knees unless you trip, right? You have to ease down with, and you have to have 10 people around you to pick you up. But man, they saw Jesus. They came into the presence of this baby who's the son of God, who's God in the flesh. And they realized it. And it says they fell on their knees. And it says they worshiped him. One of the most misunderstood concepts in Christianity is worship. Some people think the only way you worship is with a guitar and drums. Some people think the only way you worship is with an organ and a, uh, a piano. Well, you can worship with all those things. You can do all those things and not worship. You can worship raising your hands when we sing. You can, you can worship sitting down when we sing. You can not worship when you do that. Worship, listen, if you're looking at a definition of worship from the Bible, it means to fall before someone. It means to prostrate yourself. It means to get on your knees or your face before someone. It, it's literally the picture of, of, of kissing someone's feet. In this culture, when you met someone who was an equal, you would kiss them on the lips. Now, this is man to man and woman to woman, so you young single guys don't get excited. We're not going to start that here. This is man to man, and not, you know, I go start kissing all the women and get us all in trouble. You met someone who was a little superior, you kissed them on the cheek, but when you came in the presence of someone who is royalty, you fell on your knees, you got on your face, you held their feet. And, and it, it, it's not just symbolic, guys. Here's what was happening. Man, they were worshiping Jesus. They were presenting not only their gold and their incense, their myrrh, their checkbook, and their credit card. They were presenting themselves and saying, I, I'm presenting myself to Jesus. And that's what God wants from you. 
Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 is a great verse. It says this. I think. There it is. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Your body is you. It's you giving yourself to God. That's, that's spiritual worship. That's what God wants from you. You know, the only problem with a living sacrifice is it has a tendency to crawl off the altar, right? That's why in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. You see, I worship God. Some of you need to worship God tonight by giving your heart to him. I couldn't have articulated this at all when I became a Christian, but when I became a Christian, you know what I was doing? I was worshiping God. I was surrendering my life to him. But it's a daily thing. Many of us tonight are Christians who we stopped worshiping God years ago. And we need to come back to him and worship him tonight. And we, we need to make a decision to worship God the rest of our life. Here is, the, here is the irony or the paradox. Listen, with God, the giver always gets richer. Did you hear me? With God, the giver always gets richer. Peter asked Jesus something you're probably wondering, or you have in your life. If I give everything, if I give myself completely to God, that's scary. What do I get out of it? Peter asked it. That's the great thing about Peter. He was not afraid to voice what everybody else was thinking. And here's what Jesus says. Anything you give up for me, you will get back a hundredfold in this lifetime. And by the way, when you die, you're going to heaven forever. Isn't that pretty good? It's a pretty good switch off, isn't it? John 10, 10, here's what Jesus said. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. What does that mean? It means two things. It means this, that when you surrender yourself to Jesus, when you worship him, when you bow your life for, before him, he says, I promise you eternal life. I heard a story years ago in Texas. It was a chaplain talking to a an inmate in a prison, and he asked the prisoner, he goes, don't you want to live forever? And the prisoner looked at him with gentle but very sad eyes and says, no, I want to die. My life has been horrible. But see, eternal life in heaven, it's not just going on in this existence forever. Man, it's living the best life, the high life for eternity. But Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life too. That means life here. You see, whatever it costs you to follow Jesus, you get eternal life, abundant life, a hundred times more in this life, whatever you give up. In Matthew 6, Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's what we're doing, folks. We're seeking everything else and trying to fit God in, right? It doesn't work. God says, worship me, seek me, Surrender to me. I want you. That's your gift to me. And when you give me you, everything else gets put in with it. I want to give you one more verse that I love dearly. Psalms 37, 4. Listen to what it says. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the take delight in the Lord is not some emotional or, or, or it, it can sound kind of peculiar. What it means is that, man, you worship God. You find your meaning in life in God. You, your love, your joy, you, you, you are focusing on God. And, and when you do this, you get, look, not the things you think you want. You get the things you truly want.
You see, it's, it's the paradox that when the wise men came and gave themselves to Jesus and their stuff, they gave their stuff because he had their heart. But when you give your life to Christ, you don't lose. You gain a hundred times more than you ever lose. I read something this week that I thought was so true. It said, with our work, we either play at our work. Some people aren't very good or don't care about their work. Or we worship our work. Our work is what we worship. We bow down to. It owns us. Then they said, we worship our play, our recreation. We'd say in America, and, and I'm not talking about coaches and people who make their living through athletics. I'm talking about just we as people. We worship our play, and we play at our worship. I want to challenge you this evening. Like the wise men who probably traveled a thousand miles one way, Dangerous, hard travel. Got stymied in Jerusalem. Thousand miles back. May have been a two-year voyage altogether. Nothing was more important to them than getting to Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And I don't know what your barrier is this evening, but I challenge you, give Jesus what he wants tonight. And that's you. That's you. Would, you. would you bow your heads with me? This evening, if you're a Christian, my challenge to you, my challenge to you is this. If you're walking with Jesus, if you're worshiping Him, keep it up. It's so easy to get sidetracked. But if you're not, if you're not where you once were, where you need to be, tonight, Christmas Eve, place yourself under Jesus' tree tonight and say, I'm yours. And if you're not a Christian or you're unsure whether you're a Christian, I, I want to challenge you to, you to pray with me if you're ready. And just say this, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. And I ask you to come into my heart tonight. Jesus, I surrender to you. I give myself to you.